But what is God doing all day? God is healing. God is uniting. God is enabling to flourish. God is giving life. Giving life. And, and this energy called love is in all of creation. It is the dominant reality of the universe. So that the most important life-shattering reality is not might makes right or the survival of the fittest. Right at the heart of reality is Christ, love, seeking to unite, seeking to expand into all of creation. Hello, friends, and welcome to the UMC Next podcast, inspiring messages that point to the future of the United Methodist Church. I'm Katie Dawson. And I'm Derek Scott III. Each episode, we listen to voices from across our connection who are reclaiming our Wesleyan heritage and reimagining how our worldwide denomination makes disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Bishop Ken Carter is a retired bishop of the United Methodist Church and was active in service from 1992 to 2004. In his Episcopal ministry, he served the Nashville and Mississippi areas. The message we are sharing with you for today is from Christ the King Sunday in the fall of 2022. Bishop Carter was invited back to preach at First UMC in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, a congregation he served during his ministry. As he wrestles with the text from Colossians, Bishop Carter invites us to reflect on what we really mean when we say all. If Christ created all things, is before all things, holds together all things, reconciles to God all things, how does that shape our work as the church, the body of Christ? What I love about this particular message is that Bishop Carter holds in tension this cosmic, dominant reality of Christ in the universe with the pain and tenderness of one mother who is wondering about whether her child has a place in the church. We have spent a lot of time in the past eight years talking about the unity of the church which I think has been tangled up with the boundaries of our identity and holding a center that sometimes has been at the expense of the margins. But Bishop Carter frames Christ, love itself, as a force that not just unifies and brings us together, but also one that expands our own relationships, tearing down walls and our own limited understanding so that all might flourish. As we continue to paint this concrete picture of what is next for the United Methodist Church, Christ is at the center because it is Christ that will enable us to truly resist evil and justice and oppression in all its forms and to build a church which affirms the full participation of all. 
such an honor and joy to be back home at First United Methodist Church in Oak Ridge. I've realized over the years, both as a pastor and then serving as a bishop, that congregations shape pastors as surely as pastors help to shape congregations. And you helped to shape me. And you continue to shape pastors and one another. And that is the essence of the church, is to shape one another in discipleship. My friend Peter Story from South Africa, a colleague and close personal friend of Desmond Tutu, he and Desmond Tutu were the architects of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa and were champions of the anti-apartheid movement in that country. Peter says that the most significant theological word is the word all. Keep that in mind as I read the scripture this morning from Colossians. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And now comes perhaps the most definitive exclamation of Christ the King, the sovereignty of Christ. And remembering Peter's notion that all is the most significant word, listen how many times the word all appears in the remainder of this reading. He is the image, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through the blood of his cross. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
And then I add the 11th verse of the third chapter. In this renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Christ is all in all. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. I carried the letter with me for several months. It was an anonymous letter sent to me by a mother who refused to be named and didn't want me to know her location. She was expressing deep, deep pain because her son was gay. So she asked me right at the beginning of the letter, I've heard you preach I've read some of the things you have written, but I want to know, you say that God loves all people and that the church must be open to all of God's people. Do you really mean all? And then she went on to say the pain that was beginning to develop in her adolescent son as he had as becoming to recognize his own sexual identity. He says, she said, the place he feels most safe has been the youth group at the church. But there are some now, even in the youth group, who are beginning to make derogatory comments and maybe even verbally ab uh, abuse him and bully him. And I know the pastor and I'm not going to tell you who the pastor is, she said, or even what church it is. But as we sit and listen to his sermons, there are times in which he indicates that my son or people like my son are at best an aberration and at worst an abomination. And then she said, and my son is neither. I carried that letter with me to pastor's meetings, and I carried it with me for two reasons. One was to help me stay in touch with the pain of this mother, knowing that she is only one of countless others who are being wounded by the church because of their being less a child of God. But I also carried it to say to the pastors, I don't know if one of you is the one that this letter is written about, but if you are, you are in violation of the gospel. Your position is incompatible with Christian teaching. And it's really based upon this passage, among others. Paul, his view of history had, has three different movements. One, his, one, the first movement is the creation itself. I guess we would call it the Big Bang. That was the great cosmic event. But the second one, equally cosmic, is 
the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. Because in that event, God is healing the old creation and renewing it. And the third epoch, or the third movement, is when God brings to completion the reign of Christ. So that all of the kingdoms of this world are the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ. So in this passage, Paul is exclaiming and wants to make it perfectly clear that Christ is the dominant reality in the whole universe. Not just of earth, of all creation. That Christ is all and in all. He was present at the dawn of creation. John says in the beginning was the Word. He could have said Christ. And the Word was with God and the Word was God and nothing was come, came into being without Him. And now, in His earthly life in Jesus, this Christ, you see, we often, the way we talk about using Jesus Christ, we assume that that's His last name. No, that's His title. That's the essence of His being. That's who He is in God's redemptive history. He is the Christ, the revelation, the full revelation of God, because the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Him. And He will be the one to bring creation to completion. But to say Christ is all in all, and the ultimate reality, what does that mean? Who is this Christ? Well, he is incarnate in Jesus. So you look to Jesus to see what God is up to in this Christ event. And what is the essence of who Jesus was and is? Love. Love that incorporates justice. What is, what at the heart of reality is love. Now we're not talking about some kind of sentimental feeling. Love is an energy. Love is a power. Love is that energy that pushes, pulls, woos us into oneness. Love strives for unity. Love strives for interdependency. Love strives to mutuality, to where we all, if we love, are seeking to enable all to flourish. My granddaughter Megan, you know, the most profound theological questions I've ever faced are raised by my granddaughters and grandson. You, any of you have those experiences? Well, Megan just said one day, Papa, what's God doing all day? 
No, that's a good question. I would say that the most important theological questions are, who is God and what's God doing? And where is God? Well, what is God doing all day? God is healing. God is uniting. God is enabling to flourish. God is giving life. Giving life. And, and this energy called love is in all of creation. It is the dominant reality of the universe. So that the most important life-shattering reality is not might makes right or the survival of the fittest. Right at the heart of reality is Christ, love, seeking to unite, seeking to expand into all of creation. And just as, as God is ever expanding the universe to where it's infinitely expanding, God is trying to expand our relationships, our circle of compassion, love, understanding, and oneness. In other words, God is about the business, God in Christ is about the business of tearing down walls of separation. Paul stated it explicitly that in Christ all walls of hostility have come down. They've already come down, we just haven't acknowledged them yet. John Swinton, who is a pastoral theologian at St. Andrews in Scotland, says that Jesus did not go to the margins and meet people on the margins. He expanded the margins to where the least and most vulnerable are at the center of God's activity. So God is ever through love, this energy, and it's in everything. The energy is in the grass, it's in the flowers, it's in the air we breathe, it's in everything. It's love. It is Christ, the universal Christ, or the cosmic Christ, or the Christ who is all in all, ever seeking to expand the circle of God's compassion, justice, and enabling us to enable one another to flourish. And herein is the mission of the church. What God did in Jesus Christ, and you see even in his death, how is, he, how is he redeeming us? How is he reconciling? He's entering into the pain of the world. In the incarnation, God entered into Jesus Christ who absorbs, experiences the pain, even death, the cruel death on a cross. And on the cross, he's still reaching out to thieves, to those tormenting him. And he even prays forgiveness. Do you see, he's expanding the circle. And the church is called to be the body of Christ, the community 
the, the family, if you will, the community in which this love that breaks down barriers lives and grows. That's the reason the church exists. The church exists as Paul's image of the body of Christ. It, it exists to be and do the work of healing, reconciliation, nurturing, and bringing to bear the oneness of the human family, or in reality, the oneness of the whole creation. And the good news is, God's going to bring that creation. Christ is king of all ages. You see, what Jesus did on the cross is, yes, a historical event, but it's more than that. It is the paradigm of how God reconciles, and that involves suffering. Don't you know it yourself? Even some of those that you may have considered enemy, when you were willing to enter their pain, they ceased to be enemy and became colleague, friend. Jesus took upon himself all of the suffering of the world and in the midst of it, reconciled and was transformed and triumphed through it. And we know the rest of the story. The cross was not the end. The suffering was not the end. So we can live now as the body of Christ, seeking to reconcile, seeking to bring oneness, mutually nourish and nurture one another. We can do so because that's the wave of the future. Peter was, I was with Peter's story recently. And Peter said, you know, every time Desmond Tutu and I were to go to those who were opposed to the anti-apartheid movement, those who were trying to keep us in fragments, walls, Desmond would always say, why don't you come over here to the winning side? Why don't you come on? Because you're going to lose. God's going to win. Christ is going to be King of kings and Lord of lords of all the ages. So, Mother, thank you for writing that letter. It has really helped me because I realize how you have suffered along with many others. And I want to do all I can to alleviate that suffering. But I do want to answer your question, Mother. You ask, do I believe that God loves and wants included all children? Yes, Mama. All means all.
We hope you enjoyed the episode. The UMC Next podcast is produced by the team at Wesley's Revival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time.